Hi, and welcome back to the Relatively Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lady. I'm a freelance digital marketer and advocate for continued learning and self-development. This podcast is for anyone looking to learn from their peers about the lessons and growth from vulnerabilities, struggles, and adversities they've faced in life. Today's episode is with a writer, powerlifter, and social activist who is passionate about human connection. He was born and raised in Sacramento, but has also lived in Fort Worth, Texas, and Washington, D.C., at his day job, he serves as the communications specialist for the California Medical Association. Ladies and gentlemen, Jacob Greenstein. Jacob, how's it going, man? I'm good, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Glad you're here. Uh, where are you calling in from today? I am calling in from Sacramento. Uh, I'm from here originally, and um, as it was mentioned when you when you read my bio, have lived in a couple of different places over uh, my adult life now but have come back to Sacramento and have started making a home for myself here and have been enjoying it and loving it since. Good. Yeah. I've been to your home. It's a lovely place. We <laughs> yeah, had a, I like to think it's pretty good. It's good. It's, it's kind of near midtown ish. It's kind of nearby, but it's kind of away at the same time. Right? Like it's not too in the center of things. It's uh, it's the perfect balance in my mind where it's still walkable to get to anything and everything that someone could want in the midtown area but also removed enough at the same time to where I am not in the thick of the buzz. So if I want peace and quiet, I have peace and quiet. Exactly. Um, we, we had a little dinner um, and some barbecue or something a couple times I've been over and we had some those guests and discussions about stuff. So yeah. Yeah. It's been a while one. since I've, since I've held one of those, but that was one of one of my old projects that I'm thinking about maybe starting up again sometime soon, but Happy to be here now with uh, with one of your projects. Yeah, uh, happy to have you on. Me and Jacob have known each other for, I want to say, closer to two years now, but really been uh, friends and more close the last year or so. so uh, we met and trained together at the uh, Super Training Powerlifting Gym in West Sac, and then actually started hanging out outside the gym and like talking about <laughs> stuff besides lifting. Imagine that. Um, and gotten to know each other and he's a good dude and he's cool and he's smart and I like having those people around. Um, and so I thought as soon as I was thinking about this podcast idea and uh, knew he would at least have to get an invite. Um, and so now he's here. So uh, you were born and raised in SAC um, and you went to high school in SAC or? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's correct. Um, I went to, Christian Brothers High School for uh, people from the area around the area that are familiar with the schools here. For those that aren't, it's a, it's a co-ed parochial school, so it, it has a Catholic influence to it, uh, which will also very much be part of my story kind of as we dive deeper into things here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it was a great home for me, and there was a time when I thought I wanted to leave California and Sacramento and leave it behind me for the rest of my life, and I attempted that for a little while. Uh, but there was something that I think drew me back in. And then for those of us that grew up in the area, there's, and this is really corny, but there, there's almost a certain magic to it. I think when you start seeing, especially the way that the city's changed and grown over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. opportunities that are afforded to young people that are trying to get started and figure out what they want to do and where they want to go. Yeah. Um, so you went away from California for a little bit. Part of that was probably for college, which was yes. at, um, at TCU. TCU. Yes. Yeah. 
And what was your major there? What did you study? I studied international politics. My original goal at the time, uh, well, it, it changed a little bit over some time, but I, I wanted to um, end up working overseas, potentially for the State Department or something in a similar nature in diplomacy, building foreign relationships uh, for on behalf of the United States. And for a variety of reasons over time, decided that that wasn't going to be the move for me. But I made this gradual reverse migration of like the rest of the history of the United States and went eastward. So I went to Texas for a while Mm -hmm. and then I went, I mean, I traveled a little bit to like Atlanta and Chicago at some points in my undergraduate career and then went to DC. And from DC, I was thinking this will be the time that after I graduate, I'm finally going to make the transatlantic flight and stay overseas in Europe or maybe somewhere in between there in Asia and uh, based on just different conversations that I had decided that that wasn't the best move for me and ended up making the trek all the way back West to Sacramento. And was that a uh, car trek or was that by? Yeah, actually it was, Uh, it was, I I had never done that before, but before I graduated, I had my dad take basically a pledge with me where I I made him promise to me that we were going to road trip back from Fort Worth, which is where TCU is in, in North Texas to Sacramento, which all in all uh, it's been four years since we did that. But if I remember correctly, if you did it in one go, it's something like a 36 or 38 hour drive, but we broke it up over the course of about seven or eight days and hit, six national parks, I think, um, and a couple of state parks along the way. Wow. It was one of the best trips I've, I've ever taken. Yeah. And super grateful for the fact that I have a good relationship with my, my family and especially my dad. Because uh, I don't know that there's ever going to be an opportunity for me to do something like that with just him ever again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's definitely a trip that made us closer uh, and – Talking about vulnerability, uh, got to have a lot of conversations with with my dad that I had never had before. Mm-hmm. And as just a young man who is trying to find his own way in the world, to be able to have that relationship with my dad now and to feel for the first time, I think, ever really confident and comfortable in that relationship because of that experience is something that I'm forever grateful for. Yeah, that must have been awesome because... As, especially as speaking as men here, um, we're supposed to, there's societies, but we're supposed to be all tough and gritty and like never have emotions and not be able to show them and whatever. Um, <clears throat> I'm like trying not to laugh while saying this because I think it's a load of crap. Um, <laughs> but I think times have changed and it's more and more accepted uh, as a young man. And in that setting with your dad, who like, presumably had to take time off work and do this whole Mm -hmm. trip with you. And like, that's, that's the time to ask those things. You're not talking to many other people during that seven or eight days. It's you two in the car. It's you two at the park. Like you talk to the people at like the McDonald's you're stopping in or whatever. Exactly. Food, but like, it's just you two. Yeah. It's you two the whole time. So it's like that not just gives you, the space, but just the time to feel comfortable talking about this stuff. Oh yeah. Um, it, it was, it was forced space. Um, <laughs> I, Cause it, it's funny. You talk about uh, all of these 
preconceived notions of what society says men have to be and whatnot. And I think in a lot of ways, I mean, generationally speaking, my dad lives into a lot of those things and it's, it's nothing I hold against him in any way, but I like thinking out loud could probably count on one, maybe both hands, the amount of times that my dad has told me that he's loved me. Um, and I don't, I don't think that that's a uncommon experience for young men to have not heard things like that from their fathers. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, that um, fathers or men in general are like some kind of villain for that being the case. Cause everyone's been conditioned for whatever kind of way that they interact with the world and whatnot. But I do know that I have always been adamant about not being the same way with the way that I interact with people and the way that I interact with my family and the way that I want to interact with my hopeful future kids. Mm -hmm. So um, I I would be lying if it wasn't a little bit of a, a trap in quotes on my part to get my dad to, to be able to have that experience uh, for me to have that experience with him. Yeah. I mean, that's a smart move on your part. Um, Heck yeah, man. I was playing chess. Yeah. He's just playing checkers. Um, He's like, yeah, I'll help my son move home from college. And you're like, gotcha, dad. We get to talk about all the stuff I've been wanting to. Yeah. And um, not to get too deep into this, but like you feel more comfortable with your mom talking about those those sort of things or generally that's, that's That's a a really good question. Um, Yeah. And actually I think, and I don't know um, what other people would say their trends are like this for their lives. But when I was growing up, I was definitely a lot more comfortable with my mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they were probably about the time that, I mean, honestly, if I'm being super honest from the time I was about 10 until the time I was about in my, my early, early, early twenties, I wasn't really comfortable talking to my family about anything. And I didn't, yeah, I, I stopped feeling like I could be close and open. Um, and really that, that means with my mom, because that was the primary, the primary person in my household who I was closest with, um, for a variety of reasons. I just never had those conversations with my dad. Mm. Growing up. We had a, just a different relationship and that's just the way that I saw it. And then I grew into a young man as biology dictated for me. Um, and I, I yearned for those kinds of people in my life. So I, I've, I've found people throughout my life that have become father figures of sorts. But I always wanted to have that relationship with my dad at the same time. So over time, as I got older, I started feeding in and, and in a way kind of trying to pull the teeth of my dad to have these conversations. And I think, like I said, this trip that we're talking about is one of the ways that I, I really found a way to create a stronger bond with my dad than I had ever had before that. So now for so many things, he's been my, my go-to parental figure for conversation. And in no way is that meant to be disrespectful to my mom in any way, because we still have our own conversations too. Um, There's just a, a different way in which, now because of the way that I see things and relate to my, my dad, that I have different conversations with him about these things. Yeah. Um, I think when you said 10 to early twenties, I, uh, I was like, Oh, are you talking about me? Because that's that's how I felt too. Because I think it's more common than we think perhaps, or maybe just 
<clears throat> just chance of where our parents grew up from and how they were raised. Um, I was never that close and had these open conversations or the in-depth discussions about real stuff. Um, it was always just day-to-day, oh, I need to go to sports practice. What are you having yep. for dinner? Yep. You know, you just like, yeah. And it was like, that's cool. But like, you birthed me. Like, I yeah. feel like out of all the people <laughs> in the world, I should be able to talk to those those two yeah. people um, yeah. on a deeper, more like real level and open up to them about my challenges and things I'm yeah. feeling. And I have in some instances, but like you're saying, it took a long time. It took certain events to kind of trigger that. So, yeah, it's, um, it, I don't I think it's a battle. Um, and this is, I mean this is a point that I figured I would end up making later, but I'm talking about vulnerability in general. Uh, it's, it's a practice. And, and I, dare I say, uh, if, uh, if Josh ends up listening to this, it's a discipline, right? Yeah. Um, because it's not going to be perfect the first time that you try. Um, and especially if you and I are both talking about having grown up in an environment in which it wasn't the norm. Like I remember growing up and being, so envious of my friends that had these super close relationships with their parents and they went and talked to them about anything and everything under the sun. And I didn't, I didn't have that level of comfort at a certain point. Mm-hmm. So I, I made it my own goal to say that I'm going to have these kinds of relationships with other people around me. And then when I can, I'm going to start having these relationships with my, my parents and other family members too. And it's just, like I said, it's it's a practice. So it's something that some days I'm really good at it, and some days I'm really really bad at it. Yeah, um, almost used a, a different word there, but not trying. Yeah, to it's, you could say shitty. Okay. Okay. No, no. <laughs> some days okay. I'm really shit at it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's something that I've only learned in time and over time, and I'm only going to keep learning how to be better about doing this. One hundred percent. Um. I think that's that's just a great point. And shout out to Josh Setledge, uh, Daily Discipline. That's who uh, Jacob was referring to. Um, if he listens to this, um, I'm sure he'll comment in the post. But um, anyway, so you had this uh, discussion and this trip with your dad and opened up about a lot of things and talked about a lot of things that you normally wouldn't have talked about. And since then, you've grown from that and learned, oh, I should or want to be this open and this communicative with as many people as I can be, or at least those closest to me. Um, like your closest friends, your brother, maybe uh, potential uh, girlfriends and uh, whatnot. So I think that's, um, it was really good of you at a early age air quotes. Yeah. Quotes, right? um, yeah. Cause it's all relative. Um, you graduated college at what? 22. Mm-hmm. But you took the onus of being more open and more communicative versus someone who is 50, 60 something at the time or late 40s, whatever. It's like you ended up being the grown up in that situation, which I think um, a lot of people have to do at different points for different things. Um, they don't always realize it, um, depending on how they grew up with their parents. Um, just because then that's because our parents are acting how they were parented and we're going to be, we're going to parent based on how our parents parented us and then modify some things. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and there's, uh, 
a, a TED talk that I, I mentioned to you before we ended up uh, recording mm. um, by Brene Brown. Um, and she, if anyone has a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. And I think it really highlights kind of this thing that you're talking about here where it's, it's based on people's own beliefs and, and where they've come from, their social environments and whatnot, but then the people that they choose to be as well, because, and again, just speaking broadly to vulnerability and what that looks like, I think there's, there's a lot of people that just don't want to live into it because it's uncomfortable. And it's, it's never going to be comfortable to be honest. You just get better at being able to manage it and manage your own expectations into it. And you, it sounds, um, the, the words escape me right now. It sounds oxymoronic, but you learn to be comfortable with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there, there's a quote that I wrote down that I want to share from her, from her mm-hmm. talk. And she says, vulnerability is the core of shame, fear, and our struggle for worthiness, but it's also the birthplace of joy, of creativity, of belonging, and of love. And in so many ways, I think that that's so true for the ways that people choose to interact in their world. And they focus on that first part of, of the shame, the struggle for worthiness and, and fear, because they, they think like, if I showcase a piece of me that's imperfect or that I've failed or that I struggle with these things or whatever, that it changes the way that someone's going to perceive them in some kind of negative way. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when in reality, the, the thing that I think about vulnerability and is that when you allow yourself to be vulnerable and open up, it shows so much more beauty. Um, one in just like the way that life is, but also in the way that you create bonds and I, I mean, I would challenge everyone who's listening to this podcast specifically, but really any of the episodes and whatnot to think about the relationships that they have in their life and the ones that they see as most important to them. And why why are the ones that they see as most important or valuable the ones that they see that way? And I think about the relationship you and I have formed in these last two years, but really the last year. Mm-hmm. which like is insane to me to think that we only met a year ago because the way that we first started interacting and there's degrees of being vulnerable. Right. But I, I admitted to you that there was something I didn't know. Right. I didn't know what digital marketing was or how it worked or anything like that, which in its own way, like is me being vulnerable. It's about something very small, but it's me being vulnerable and saying, I want to get to know it better and I want to get to know you better. And we opened up one conversation there and then from there, look at the conversations that we have now about our life goals, our relationships, the the, the highs and lows in between that. Yeah. Like a year, a year in relationship, because I think we both practice this as something in our lives. But there's people and and Brene Brown and her podcast or her TED talk included, who I if she ever listens to this. I might end up getting an earful, but I assume she's like a middle-aged woman who says that she wasn't ever comfortable with vulnerability before this. Mm -hmm. So she's like 50, right? Never practiced vulnerability in her life before and finally starts seeing what the value and the merit to it is only when she's coming over the hill, right? So like, could you imagine like if she had embraced it early on in her life, how much richer her relationships and her interactions with people could have been. Yeah, that's incredible. That's a really good point that 
just kind of looking back on if she's doing it at around 50, we're, we're, we're assuming. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and <laughs> we are. hate me if you listen yeah, to this. <laughs> please. Um, we are 25, uh, literally half her age. And we've been embracing, I think, to a certain extent, this concept the last couple of years at the very least. Uh, maybe a little bit stemming before that, but um, it's really come true to me this last really year, but the last two or three years in the making of just you are who you are. You have strengths, you have really special talents, and you have a lot of stuff, a lot of things that you're not good at or you've messed up or whatever. And both are accepted. Both are good. You need both. No one's perfect. The imperfect comment you're coming you made earlier, it's like back in uh, impersonal communications back at Sac State when I was studying at college. It's like they they said, "Is peeling back an onion, layers of an onion, uh, yeah. vulnerabilities, and an opening up." Yeah. And actually, in that class, I had just broken up with my first girlfriend of like two years, and I was like. I opened up about start crying in front of the class and like as a part of a presentation and like everyone's like holy shit wait what this guy like I like I was just like it's always like kind of easygoing happy kind of positive person and I was just crying in front of everyone in the middle of college class like forty people like most of the people I haven't talked to or don't even know their names and like five different people who I don't even know their names like came up and just like hugged me and just like. It was, it was really cool. It was like yeah. this really awesome, like, yeah. kind of moment that I had honestly forgotten about almost until you brought up that the way you said what you said and that triggered that memory. So I just wanted to share that of like now then I was able to connect with them throughout the semester and talk to them more personally. They said, hey, I've been I've been dumped after five years. Like, dude, I get it. Like just like having that moment like they wouldn't have like told me that information otherwise. So. I mean, I think it's just incredible of how lucky or grateful we should be at our age to accept and know that this is a true thing that helps, um, that it helps not ourselves or not only ourselves with growth and development and continued learning, but having that expectation or that goal to have that openness with our close friends, with our significant other. Yeah, no, I, I think a hundred percent. And and if I can kind of close a thought on that, um, it, that reminds me what you were saying very specifically of one of my favorite quotes uh, by Marianne Williamson. And it's a if you've seen, I think it's in Aquila and the Bee, and it's in Coach Carter. So I, I know it from Coach Carter, and it's talking about um, it's the whole our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate, our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. But the quote continues on to talk about. Um, how you shouldn't shy away from being your full self in any way, because in you practicing your greatness and being the best that you can be, you give other people permission to do that as well. And I think in the same way, when you, and I'll trademark this part, when you lead with vulnerability, when you allow yourself to be the person who is in that situation that is uncomfortable before somebody else, you give them and show them, that space to be brave and safe with you to do the same thing. And that only continues to build a stronger bond then from there on out. Exactly. So you opening up to your class in that situation, you're probably the first one who really put themselves out there. But then you had all these people approach you afterward who were saying, I was in the same situation, 
And I didn't have the the heart or the courage, or whatever, whatever it may be to talk about it until someone else decided that. And that person being you decided mm-hmm. that it was okay to. So yep. feeding with vulnerability, I think it's just so important because of that. It's huge. It's one of my, uh, I hate this word life hacks. Um, <laughs> I, I hate that, but it's the only thing that came to mind of, um, getting to know someone. And if I want to get to know someone on a deeper level, or I'm going to get to know them over time, uh, it's like, Oh, it's a new coworker or it's a friend of a friend or a friend of a, uh, significant other where someone's like, they're going to be around. It's not like you're just meeting them randomly and like at some networking event mm-hmm. for two seconds. Like it's a life hack to just be vulnerable or just to be imperfect and not to be the stuck up. Like I am great and perfect. And it's not to be arrogant. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone would ever call me arrogant. Um, I can't imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's even, I'd even, I don't think I've ever said that word before. Um, but just to be comfortable with who you are, both with the positive and the negative, like, this is who I am. This is what I do. And this is what I've been through. Like, and it's like at a networking event, that's not going to be super important. Like they're just, they just want to trade business cards. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like that's why I don't like typical networking events usually. Um, yeah, same. But if it's, I just like, I make fun of myself and like at, so at one point to for more self-disclosure, <laughs> making fun of myself was a tactic to be like point out insecurities on my own before they pointed out for me. Oh yeah. But uh, like self-deprecating humor. But now it's like, now it's just funny because it's easier to like laugh at myself and like joke you about it. it. Right. You're, you're yeah. Ownership of that instead of trying it, the humor being a deflection. Exactly. Yeah, I've already made fun of reflection. You don't have to. You can't because I took that. Yep. That's you took the power out of it. But now you're like, I'm, I'm embracing the fact that this is part of me and I'm still going to make fun of it because it's funny. But I also like I own this. This is part of Matt or this is part of Jacob. And it's just the way it is. Yep. It's the Eminem in the end of eight mile when he just shits on himself. The <laughs> final battle rap. And then his opponent has nothing left to say because Eminem just shit on himself the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and then when it's his opponent's turn, he's just like, uh, what? Yeah, what do I so, do now? Yeah. So then he won. Like, he just, that's, I've kind of owned that. Um, like, my last name is Lady. When I was a kid, I got destroyed for that. And I, like, took it so, like, I was so sensitive and emotional. And, like, yeah. but now it's kind of cool. Not kind of cool. It's really cool. Like, it's so unique. Mr. Lady and people like try to make lady jokes and I'm like I just say I'll give you five dollars if you come up with a lady joke I haven't heard yet yeah I've never given away five (laughs) dollars your old um, your old handle was lady is the man right yeah lady is the man was my old Instagram handle that's Uh, I mean that's what I remembered uh like the first time I met you (laughs) I saw that I was like I like how this dude just embraces it and just runs with it so yeah, because I just got destroyed as a kid for it. And like I was like, oh, it's this bad thing I can't control. It's my name. But now I'm like, it's fucking cool. You're like, yeah, uh, it's my fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> well, your name is fucking Smith. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, it's so generic. Yeah. Uh, sorry for anyone last name Smith watching this. Uh, <laughs> listening probably to this, probably but... 50% of your viewers, right? <laughs> probably. Uh, so generic. Um, but anyway, so we both... Uh, have established that it's important 
we feel uh, not important, not even like necessary to be vulnerable and to be able to talk about openly goods and bads, the ups and downs, because th- those are facts um, that come and go in life. So um, what at what point did you feel like you got uh, the seeds of this topic or this theme that you kind of wanted to touch more on? Yeah. At what point uh, in life? I would say, um, and it's great because I, I hear some echoes in the story that I'm going to tell uh, in the story that you were telling uh, at sex about being at sex state. Mm-hmm. I would say that my, the first time that these seeds were really planted um, when I was in high school. And as I mentioned, I went to a parochial school, uh, which meant that uh, I'm not Catholic myself, just putting it out there. Uh, and for those of you that are deciphering last names on the podcast right now, too, I'm not, I'm not Jewish either. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because of my own upbringing and, and kind of where I've come from, I've been exposed to a whole host of different religious, um, ethnic backgrounds and traditions and whatnot. Um, but being at this school, a large portion of our curriculum was religion classes because it's a Catholic school. Uh, and a lot of what happened within that too, is there is usually a retreat every semester or so, in which case at these retreats, students were expected to go and uh, explore or grow in some way their relationship with, with God and specifically with Jesus uh, because it's a Catholic school. Um, There was only one of these retreats that was mandatory and it was your first one, your freshman year. I had such a horrific time because I was so uncomfortable with my own identity and who I was. And I didn't feel like I could relate to any of the, the other students at school that I've told myself I was never going to go on another retreat at the school for as long as I was there. So I didn't. Our spring semester one came around as freshmen and I didn't go. Uh, sophomore year, both the retreats came around. I didn't go. Junior year, the same thing over and over and over. Until senior year, we have one big retreat that the the school does and it's called Kairos. Uh, and basically this is like a five day retreat with a super secretive structure that you're not allowed to know anything about until you're on the retreat. Oh, and they take, instead of taking you in whole class groups. So like all 200 people or whatever that are going to go, you go in cohorts of about 40 ish people or something like that. Okay. Uh, so they go on, Maybe it was like every every month throughout the year, a different cohort of your senior mm. class went. So we're making our way through senior year and people are like, oh, you should really go on this retreat. It's really important. And at this point, like my walls have been up for so long that I'm like, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to go on this stupid retreat. You guys know that I hate this stuff. It makes me so uncomfortable. It's like, why are you wasting my time and why are you wasting your air telling me to go on it? Mm-hmm. next group goes same message you should really go i think you'd really like it it's really important i learned so much about myself and I'm like yeah 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 like i learn about myself too and i just don't need to do it in the face of this whole religious context because mm-hmm. I, it's just not for five days i don't want to do this for five days third fourth whatever and i finally decide to go and on this retreat it's rooted in some theological practice, but more than anything, what I learned is having conversations about vulnerability 
And what I would say is, is like relativity of struggle. Because what happened over these four or five days is that we just broke down all of the things that have contributed to who we are as individuals at that day and some of our most defining moments in our lives. Um, people that shared incredibly open stories and really sad stories, too, about their relationships with with parents um, or grandparents, stories of loss and other kinds of tragedy. Um, and, and I remember walking away from that experience and feeling so much closer to all these people in my class because we had shared all of these burdens that we all thought that we were carrying alone for the last 18 years or however long and, and realized that we didn't have to do it alone anymore. Mm-hmm. And that we could be open with each other and communicate. And so for me, the retreat from there, it was like, this isn't even about religion. This is about people. This is about people understanding other people because they're shaped by all the experiences and the traumas that they've had throughout their lives. And the only way that you're going to get to be able to tease those things out and wrestle with it as an individual and then as a community is by being vulnerable and practicing vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So I ended up leading this retreat um, before I left for the next class of people and talking about my own experiences and in what I would quite honestly say were abusive relationships. And similarly to um, what you were saying about students approaching you afterwards, after your presentation, I had people that came up to me that said, I, I've gone through the exact same experience as you. And I felt manipulated and used and in all of these different ways, um, either verbally, emotionally, sexually. And I wouldn't have been able to talk about that. I didn't think it was okay to talk about that until you talked about it. And from mm-hmm. then on, I said, I need to make this a thing that I do for the rest of my life. And I, I got to TCU and I found um, a group that allowed me to do it in a very similar way. They're called Better Together and they operate under a nonprofit that I still work with called the Interfaith Youth Corps. Um, and I still just, I use this same practice of how can I be vulnerable as an individual to start building a relationship with somebody so that one, we can have a stronger community, but then, um, as I mentioned to you before, I think that that building that strength as an individual and then as a community then can lead to creating social change and creating social good in the world as well. Definitely. Yeah, that's a lot to um, – I'm glad you shared that and that sets us up with really good uh, going back points and jumping off points. Um, so go. I loved how you – even if you're – uh, what, 17 or 18 when you went on this trip and you said your walls were up for so long and like, look, now that I'm so much older at 25. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, it's, and, I mean, you think about it. I mean, it's a quarter of a lifetime. Of it's a quarter. Relative. Exactly. It's a quarter of our current lifetime and it's relative. That's a long period of time. Walls being up at that age is like, seems silly, but it's just a fact. High school can be very hard. Oh, it's brutal. It's brutal. And like some people, it's a coin flip. It was brutal or it was the best (laughs) time of my life. And even those best time of my life's people, I don't know if they're even telling the full truth um, all the time. So um, I liked how I appreciate 17 or 18 year old Jacob being open to experience that uh, new um, to go actually go on the retreat after literally like you, you 
you experience the first retreat and you're like, nah, this, not mm-hmm. this, this is, this is not it for me. This is the last thing I want. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, ah, anyway, like I'll give it another go. I think it's so important to not just be open to trying something and trying new things, but trying it again, trying it a second time, trying it a different way with new people in a different situation. I think I, myself is super guilty of this. You try something, it could be as simple as trying new food. It could be doing a new a, a movie or a show. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't like this. This is stupid. Like, bah, and like judge it immediately. And then don't give it another go. Well, I, then, think, I think you're coming at it with a much more mature experience, like mental space than I did at, at that yeah. age. Because basically what I was saying was, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> worst case scenario, I got three or four days off of school for it. And like, yeah, yeah. Then I didn't have to show up to class. No, totally. And I, yeah. And that's me. Yeah, you're right. You're speaking. I'm speaking <laughs> as that now. I'm speaking the truth of a 17 year old. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, it's leading to what we've talked about and how we feel and what we've learned is that to be open-minded, um, like use, yes, use your past experiences to make judgments or to make, uh, inferences or general statements or how you feel about things, but don't be so concreted in certain things and like cemented in how you feel. Um, I think if people, if not everyone, I hate making sweeping statements of everyone should do this, but if everyone was just open, open-minded and when they learned a new piece of information, and it's a fact or a data point, like to accept it and be okay with changing your mind. Like I feel this way about this topic. And then in a year I learn more information. I'm okay with changing my mind. Like I, ch- I changed so much, so much has happened in that year. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, it's growth, right? Yeah. And I, I don't think, I don't think, but my point being, I don't know if a lot of people feel that way. And I think people should um, be more open to that. Um, so that was at high school. Then you you went on and talked to the next group. We're like, hey, you got to do this. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be sick. You went on to college yep. and kept participating in a similar group at a different level about that. And that's, I think, I forget what you called them, but the barbecue dinner thing you as referencing yeah, yeah. at the beginning of the episode uh, is like, yeah, what the, you try to keep doing circles. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That's iteration you... of a similar, similar concept that I had. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't know anyone else there that night. i got to be <laughs> five, five new friends besides you. And that was only our second or third time hanging out yeah. outside the gym. So yeah. Well, uh, for me, um, I'm very introverted and very shy. Like, and some people will be like, what the hell, Matt? I've seen you twerk. Um, and so like, yeah, that's, that's different. But like, Don't worry, no one can see that on the podcast. Yeah. I, I, and I'm not twerking right now, but um, just to clarify, but to me, that's so much different, like to just dance and I don't care who's watching, but if I have to go up to an individual and like be like, Hey, I'm Matt. Yeah. And it's like some cute girl or even just some guy, like as a new friend, like that terrifies the crap out of me. Like, but I could go dance and be obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. And it's just there's a lot of people that feel that way too, though, because there's something about, um, if you, if you're just dancing out in public, like no one has to know who you are. There's the idea of like, yeah, I'm seeing these people here tonight, whoever, 
but I'm just like, just like seeing them. They're just there. They're people in the space with me and I'll Mm -hmm. probably never see them again. They don't Mm -hmm. know my face. They don't know my name. They don't, they're not going to see me ever again after this. Yeah. I think when you introduce yourself to someone, then you, you make something concrete out of that situation. Right. So, yep. Especially in your home over dinner, it's several hours. Yeah. And it's like, it was going to be a normal ish occurrence. Yeah. Uh, in, in theory. And then, um, and it was before that point, but um, and it was cool. It was really great. And I got lost when you guys started talking about Game of Thrones um, <laughs> because I never watched it. But fun fact, uh, I started watching it recently. Okay. And so um, I could participate next time we talk about it. Um, how, how far are you if, if that's not too much of a tangent? No, um, I'm in the beginning of season three. Okay. So uh, all that stuff just went down at... Uh, king's landing and then they survived the attack and whatever so i'm at around that point okay um so it's really good i'm glad i'm watching it there's still more good things to come for a while oh i'm sure and then <laughs> then the controversy of the last season and all it kind of goes maybe downhill according yep. to a lot i uh, uh was looking at the golden globes announcements today and someone who put out a blog about the surprises and the snuffs and whatnot and one of the snuffs uh, for those of you listening, this is my own opinion on the last season too. One of the snuffs was that Game of Thrones didn't get recognized, and I was like, I don't think that they really got snuffed because I don't think they really deserved it. But yeah, it was much shorter, literally an episode for the season, right? Like is six or so episodes. Usually they're around ten. It seems like um, they dialed it back like every season for the last three seasons. Yeah, so. Yeah, both quality and quantity is just not the same, it seems like. But I will have to find out um, once I get there. But, um, yeah, just kind of weird uh, kind of conversations that night that I haven't been open and talking about with other people. Because for many who have seen Game of Thrones, there's a lot of nudity. And then sometimes, somehow... Uh, porn was brought up of like the parodies from like Khaleesi and Cal Drago and all these this stuff and it was like yeah, talking that was tough yeah that, that happened and I was I was finally like okay maybe now I can engage on this topic because uh, it's not just about the show and so I was like I would have never talked to strangers who I'd met within the last hour or two about this before and just yeah. providing my unfiltered like this is how I feel about X Y and Z and so I just felt comfortable and we weren't, this is like to clarify, we were, none of us were uh, trashed. Like we, we each oh, had yeah. like a drink or something like, it was, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was like a very calm adult like setting and that it just spun out into this topic. And I was like, this is kind of cool. Uh, there were some of those topics. I mean, I, so I led that group for yeah um, a full year. Yeah. And, and then some. So I think we, we did this for about 15, 16 months. Um, there were a lot of those conversations that I had where I was not comfortable. I was the facilitator, but people wanted to talk about some things sometimes. And I was not always comfortable <laughs> diving into these conversation topics yeah. that, they, that they wanted. But I had to breathe my own um, courage into those situations to just say, obviously, it's something that's important to this community because they, they want, they keep bringing it up in some way or another. So even though I'm uncomfortable, I have to find a way to kind of live in that moment and 
as facilitator, make sure it doesn't go like way offhand in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, allow the space to kind of flourish and see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, by and the time I, that you kind of came in, my role had shifted a little bit and I was a little more um, just participant instead of facilitator. But yeah. um, still at the same time, <laughs> I might sit in those, some of those conversations and just think, I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was definitely interesting. Um, and I think I think they kept coming up, perhaps, is just they are taboo topics that we're not supposed to talk about or they're like frowned upon to talk about. And so maybe that's why they felt comfortable in that group and in that setting to bring them up and want to talk about them more so they could get them out. Um, and open up more about that. Um, so how how do we kind of switching gears? How do we <clears throat> practice and leverage, and what's the outcome of being vulnerable with friends and with significant others? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's um, thinking about the work that I do with with IFYC and, and social activism in general, um, and actually the part of the point of why I had that Ben Franklin Circle to start with. Um, is because I wanted to, in, in one way, start mobilizing people to look at their communities differently and, and potentially implement some kind of action for creating social change. Like that, that group I keep bringing up, IFYC, um, part of their mission is to, uh, like the way I like to say it is to break down bridges and, um, or excuse me, <laughs> that's backwards, to break down barriers and build bridges between people of different religious and non-religious backgrounds mm-hmm. for social good at the end of the day, whether it's advocating for clean water for people or eradicating homelessness or things like that. Um, but what I, what I think the core of that is, is that the only way that you can get people, especially when you talk about in the context of religious or ethnic backgrounds, who could come from very different sides of the spectrum on something to get them together in agreement upon things is one, you either find like shared values of what their doctrines or their own personal worldviews have, or you create a personal, very interpersonal relationship. And I think the only way that you can create such a strong relationship then is through practicing vulnerability. Um, One of my colleagues recently uh, went on the record somewhere and she, she had this, I think a beautiful quote. Um, and she said, um, I'm going to try not to butcher it. Something along the lines of, um, relationships move at the speed of vulnerability and social change moves at the speed of relationships. So it, you kind of break down the core Mm. of all of that. So you have to start with being open and living into that discomfort to express this is who I am in all of my nature and whatever that looks like and all of my successes and failures, my, my trials and tribulations. Um, and from there you start creating bonds with somebody else who either has had uh, a similar experience that they can relate to um, or something else entirely. Maybe it's just an, an empathetic emotional ability that they have. And from there, by creating those bonds, then you're so much more likely to have a good relationship with that person that maybe in turn you're thinking about what are ways that we can make our community better for those around us as well. Uh, There's a whole phenomenon that we talk about from a philosopher called Robert Putnam in the work that I do um, called Pal Al. And putting it in the most abbreviated um, 
way that I can. It, it's a really interesting theory, and he uses a really weird example of saying that um, Al is this new guy who moves on the street or whatever, and we'll just say he's my friend for the sake of things. Totally hypothetical situation. Or he's my new neighbor, I should say right now. And I'm a beekeeper by trade, and it turns out Al is also a beekeeper. Uh, but that's all that I know about Al at all at this point. So over time, Al and I start interacting more regularly within the neighborhood. Maybe we have um, a joint hive together and we start collecting honey and then whatever, right? But what they, what they find through this theory then is that if at some point, maybe it comes out that um, we'll just, we'll put it out this way. I'm a very liberal progressive on the political spectrum. Um, maybe I find out that um, Al is very conservative. Um, and this is something that might normally be very troubling to me. But because I have created this bond and shared interest uh, through this beekeeping practice, mm-hmm. or maybe to bring it back to the theme of the podcast, through being vulnerable about these other struggles that we've had, you're able to see this person in a different light. Um, have more discussion and communication with them and hopefully like work into some kind of resolution. And we talk about this a lot at IFYC because it feeds into the way that people inherently have a lot of biases against different um, religious or ethnic groups. So then in a lot of times uh, what I'm talking about is especially having come from Texas is maybe, maybe there's someone that I've met who has never met a Muslim person before but because of the era that we've all grown up in, they might have some pretty extreme biases against them. Um, so if Al in this case is, is a Muslim person instead, and we'll say that um, the, the other neighbor on the street, we'll just call him out of pop. We'll say pop is like a super conservative Catholic or something like that. Who's never met a Muslim when they have this shared experience around this beekeeping then they create a relationship together and pop starts seeing Al for his, his humanness and that relationship that they have together. And not just the fact that like he's a Muslim, which if he had read that in the newspaper before it may have reacted very differently. And then the real importance beyond that of this phenomenon is saying that then not just because they have that relationship together, um, like that's the only openness but then Pop from then on out is actually it's proven that he not only has a better perception of all Muslims that he interacts with, but then anyone else from any kind of background that's different from his own. And I think that 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 breathes life into the, the topic of vulnerability from one, like things that we're totally born into, um, like our ethnic backgrounds and things like that, or mm-hmm. um gender and sex, different conversation, but like anything like that, that is just like, there are things that are just there that we don't necessarily have control of in some way. So people that have prejudice against that to then, um, our, our experiences kind of day in out day in and day out with relationships or employers or, uh, just, just choices that we make every day that in other words, someone might have some kind of judgmental perspective about something but because they start breaking down those barriers by having these conversations about things, either about shared interests or about 
things that are they're just open to be vulnerable about, vulnerable about on both sides, then they can create stronger communities and then live into doing something better together as well. That was an incredibly in-depth and thorough answer for my <laughs> question. And you touched on my next three questions that I was ruminating about. Of it's how like it impacts mind. Yes, because uh, because we, yeah, we have the same brand of shirt on, so that's why you can read my mind. No, but um, it how it affects at a higher level the go- like government and in, like social impact, and then back down. You brought it back down to relationships and empl- uh, employer level and significant others. So, um, the outcome of all this is that people are hopefully kinder and more empathetic, and uh. His name was Al. Yeah, the, Al. Bee, the yeah. beekeeper. Al and what was the other guy's name? Pop. Al. Pop. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I know. Yeah, Al and Pal. Al, Al and, and Pal. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've done that before when I've given the example, because um, <laughs> you're trying to come up with a name on the spot. Yeah, you have one I just stick with. Uh, yeah, but then people Go get it. really confused. So Al and Pop, there more. There's more Al and Pops in the world, uh, where it's like you can have other thoughts and you can have your own opinions on things, but this shouldn't be building walls between people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not, but for me, I'm incredibly, I think, open-minded as long as you haven't murdered anyone or committed vicious, other horrific acts. I'm not going to just like randomly hate you without getting to know you. If you, are rude if you talk over people if it's all about you then you're a douchebag and then um then i make that a, like i learn and form that opinion later on but from the onset i've done my best not to judge other people um and i know first impressions are a big thing mm-hmm. and i think we i think honestly we quite overvalue them in general but i can understand it sets the tone of how you meet someone and whatnot yeah but people like oh, my first i don't even remember my first impression of you but like <laughs> it's just like oh there's some dude at the gym like whatever yeah. like you trained earlier in the day on weekdays and i trained later in the evenings and then on weekends we'd sometimes like yeah a little cross cross paths yeah. yeah but it's like he's just some dude at the gym uh but the, that's exactly what i think our first impressions of each other were right yeah that like we didn't give each other any depth to who we were as individuals in any way. We were like, he's just another power lifter. And like, yeah. fine with that. Like that's, that was nothing that like offended. At least it didn't mm-hmm. offend me. Yeah. Um, if you were thinking about me that way, <laughs> but like, think, like I said, think about the relationship that we have now where it's like, we know so much of the ins and outs about like what makes us who we are as people. And, and that's so much different than the box that we put people in from that first impression from the first sighting that we have of someone. And you have to give someone that space to be able to, to open up. And you have to be the one that opens up too. Yeah, it definitely, you do definitely do. Um, so to sort of start wrapping up this general block of uh, be more open, uh, be vulnerable. Being vulnerable first helps other people be vulnerable to you. Create that space, create that open unopen that box that was closed. This leads to kindness and empathy. Um, these are all positive things that uh, lead to more open communication for more 
improved and fulfilled relationships, friendships, and work situations. And then on the larger, higher level scale, um, government and laws and social impact and a change in the world. Um, anything else you want to add there? On, well, on, on I, this? I, I could talk about this for eons. So, I mean, there's tons of things that I, I would think I would want to add to it. Um, but I also want to be cognizant of the time that we have together. Too. Yeah. Um, I, so I, th- I think that's a good place. I think you, you summed up things pretty well there. Okay, great. Uh, so since I summed them up pretty decent, we're going to move on to the next segment I've been doing with my guests. It's called That One Thing. <laughs> and so, Jacob, if you're able to talk to everyone in the world all at once, it's through any medium, could be a video, it could be written word, could be an image. What would you want to say to everyone in the world and why? This could be a life truth. This could be something a little more fun and silly. Just you have the, you could talk to 7 billion people all at once. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Um, what are you going to say? What are you going to do and why? That's, that's a, a great question. Um, I did get to cheat a little bit because you told me that right before we started that you were going to let me know that that was where this was going. And I, I haven't been able to help but think that in the back of my brain, what am I going to talk about? What I'm Good, gonna, good. Um, and what I think I've settled in um, is more than anything sharing what my guiding mantra is and hoping that it resonates with at least, I mean, at least one other person on the podcast today. Um, but then if it ends up making its way out there, which there might be some plans for it that I'm kind of cooking up. So. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but there's a there's a Persian philosopher who has long since passed, um, but his name was Rumi R U M I, and um, he has this quote um, that, like I said, has become my guiding mantra for for my life, and it goes something along the lines of, "Yesterday I was clever and I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I'm going to change myself." And I think about that in so many ways. Um, and in so many ways, it's directly related to what we've been talking about today, where mm-hmm. there, like we even talk about my story, right? Where I wanted to be a diplomat and I wanted to go overseas and I want to do all this good in the world. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized more than anything is that the way that I can make the biggest impact in the world around me is to become the best version of myself and then live that out for other people around me in, in living out these virtues of things like vulnerability to say that it's okay to, to talk about these things and it's okay to not be okay in situations. And it's okay to just be trying to figure it out. Um, So that mantra is what, what I would want to share with everybody else, because I would hope that it would resonate with them too, to say, if you have all these aspirations for how you want to make things better, I think the best way that you can do that is by by starting with yourself and by looking in the mirror and saying, what are the things that I need to do to continue to improve upon the world around me by improving myself? Um, it's like, there, I mean, there's, there's a couple of things that come to mind for me from this. Like there's the uh, Michael Jackson song, the man in the mirror. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like right in line with this too. He's like, I'm looking at the person in the mirror and I'm saying, what do I need to do to make a change, to make things better? Yep. Wow. Incredibly uh, thoughtful and insightful answer. 
Um, I've gotten other answers that were a little, a little more fun and silly, but it was I'm good not to a have fun this. person. No, you're not fun <laughs> at all. I hate spending time and hanging out with you and talking to you. Um, this is why it's just been the longest podcast I've recorded so far. <laughs> uh, but I appreciate the thoughtfulness and insightfulness on not only your that one thing answer, but our conversation today, this last 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, it went by very fast. Yeah. But I just want to um, end the episode by acknowledging and appreciating uh, your time and your energy. Um, I never leave uh, spending time with you or talking with you without feeling more positive, more fulfilled and uh, just feeling good about myself. And that is time well spent. So I just want to uh, appreciate you for being vulnerable that year ago about asking about digital marketing that led to coffee that led to all this. Yeah. And I really think um, what you had to say today and what we discussed will uh, help at least someone, at least one person. And I think that kind of goes along with what you're saying. If at least one person learns from this, then it's a win. Yeah. And so, and this is one of the first episodes of the podcast and it may just be one person that gets that takeaway. And that's totally fine with me too. So I just wanted to um, take the last minute to acknowledge and appreciate uh, your time here. I really appreciate that. And I I appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast today too. The, The feeling is very mutual that coming into these conversations and leaving them, I always feel um, one just better in general because I think that we do practice vulnerability in our conversations, um, but then also that um, our conversations are so thought provoking for me too that they don't end here for me. Like, yeah, we, we hit the the end call button or whatever, we go our separate ways, and then I just I, that stuff just sits with me, and it I, I appreciate the fact that like this relationship's always fulfilling in that sense. Um, you're, you become a great friend of mine in the last year of my life. And it's, it's hard to really contextualize that it's only been a year. So yeah. thank you again for, for having me, uh, on the, the podcast, but just keep me around in general. <laughs> yes. Uh, even though I'm in the Bay and you're in sec, I will, I frequently visit. So I will, uh, let you know when I'm in town next, which is very soon. So, okay. uh, I'll let you know. Um, I'm sure we'll talk soon and, uh, everyone else, before I sign off, Jacob, where can people find you and talk more about vulnerability um, Great, yeah. with you if uh, they want to message you or uh, whatnot? No, yeah, that's great. I appreciate um, you letting me do the, the little plug, right? Um, I think the best way to get a hold of me is probably through my Instagram at the moment. Um, it's jacob.greenstein. Um, I'm sure uh, my name will be published somewhere on this so you can make sure you have the spelling right, but it's S-T-E-I-N for the last name, just for those of you listening. Um, should be pretty easy to find on there. Um, I share a lot more content lately about uh, relationships, uh, vulnerability sometimes, but not necessarily specifically, but just communication, self-improvement, things like that. Um, but there are some things, as I mentioned earlier, that I'm kind of working on very, very quietly. Um, even Matt doesn't even know that I'm no. working on some of these things that um, have been kind of in my back pocket for a while now, but I think will probably come to fruition sometime soon. Maybe not before the end of this year, but maybe halfway through um, this next coming year. 
And it will be a lot of stuff that's really in line with the conversation that we had tonight. So if you're interested in listening to me talk more, um, probably more than anything, just reading what I write because I like to write a little more than I like to talk. Um, finding me on Instagram and following me there will be the easiest way to stay up to date with that. At Jacob.Greenstein, Instagram, follow him, message him, tell him how much you love the episode. Appreciate y'all for listening. Catch you on the next one. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please share it, then leave a rating and review if you haven't already. Have an awesome day.